Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Welcome to today's episode. I do need to do a real fast introduction for today because as my lovely sister was editing this episode, we realized that during the interview, Esther and I didn't explain some things very well, and we kind of went into a business vernacular that not everyone could might be aware of. So Esther is a wife of a retired Marine, and her story is amazing. I think you guys will really like it and just be touched by her strength and persistence. Um, but she runs a VA or virtual assistant agency, not VA like Veterans Affairs, but virtual assistants. So I am so, so sorry. We didn't clarify that very well. Um, but she has a class which explains more about what it is to be a virtual assistant and what they do. And then she also has a course that teaches you how to become a VA, both of which I'll link in the show notes. So now without further ado, let's hear Esther's story. Hi guys. Welcome to this week's episode on the waiting warriors. This week we have Esther Inman. Hi Esther. and Welcome to the show. Yay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Um, Esther, how about you tell us all what's your background, kind of your history as a waiting warrior and all that? Yeah. So thanks so much for having me on the show and for everybody listening. Hi. Um, excited to be here and just share, I don't know, hopefully something that's inspiring and helpful. And I'm all about trying to give as much value as possible in whatever time that we have. So today I wanted to just go into a little bit about, I guess, my background and how it connects to, yeah, the waiting warrior theme. Um, basically, the story begins about, let's see, six years ago. My husband was active duty Marines. We were from, I'm from San Diego. That's where we were based at. And he's active duty Marine Corps. And I was just really miserable trying to balance having a corporate life and a corporate career with also trying to be a mom and people who listen to this get it. You're, I was pretty much a single mom um, because my husband was either deployed with a moment's notice and then gone for months at a time um, or he was working nights at this time. So we literally didn't see him all week. I was on my own with a two-year-old. And I had gone to college and I loved my career and I really wanted to keep pursuing that. And it was so frustrating to me that I felt like I had to choose because I couldn't do it all. It was impossible. My life was commuting an hour to work, dropping my kid off at daycare before the sun was even up, commuting an hour back home, you know, shower, bathe, dinner, bed, do it again the next day. And I was so depressed. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has ever had that moment where you just feel like, so this is it then? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to do this yeah. until we die? Like, this is the American dream that we were all like supposed to be working for. That's why I went to college. Like this can't be it. And so I really started to be uncomfortable. And usually when we're uncomfortable, that means that, you know, something's going to change. <laughs> so, um, I was very depressed. I was crying a lot. My husband was, you know, trying to be supportive where he could, but 
he has a career in the Marine Corps. He's gone all the time. Like he can't, he can only do so much. He can't quit his job. Right. (laughs) So I quit my job. Um, I called, I was crying in my hotel room and I remember the, the breaking moment was when my son no longer cared to Skype or talk on the phone with me anymore. He was just like, eh, because I was just gone so much. I was traveling for work at this time. And I, it broke my heart. And I was just like, oh my gosh, well, this is pointless. I don't care about how much money I'm making. I don't care about all of this because he's the reason, right? And he doesn't even care about talking to me anymore. So what's the point of this? So I put my two weeks notice in the next day and we didn't have like a ton of savings. We had a tiny bit. I cashed out like the little bit of retirement that I'd put away that year. Um, and that was it. Like, that's all we had. But in two months, I was able to start working virtually as a virtual assistant. And over time, I started mentoring other women and helping them to learn to be virtual assistants. But the bigger deal is I just built my own virtual agency, helping business owners around the world do things online. Through that, um, I would say now two years ago, doing that, I've been doing this for a total of six years. Now, two years ago, was when my husband was getting close to getting out of the Marine Corps. His 10-year contract was ending. And I have to like build this up because I guess I didn't even realize the tragedy level of this until even just recently. My husband was going to be a career Marine. He'd known that he'd wanted to be a Marine since he was a kid. His dad was a Marine. His grandpa was a Marine. They'd done Vietnam and the Korean War. So this was like his legacy. And he loved yeah. being a Marine. Um And he was a sergeant, but he wanted to go back and possibly go to like officer candidate school. Like this was his thing. And he's like, if nothing else, when I get out of the Marine Corps, I want to go and do high end security. So he did during his Marine Corps career, he actually did like all of this high end extra work to be able to qualify for those jobs once he was done as like a backup plan. So this was his entire life. And during the last year, this is the part I get emotional, um, during the last year of his Marine Corps career, he had suffered quite a bit of head trauma over the last couple of years. And so during the last year was when his mental health started to really take a large decline. He was having panic attacks. He was not sleeping and when because he had really horrible nightmares. And when he was sleeping, he was like sleepwalking and it was really, really dangerous. He was seeing things. He was hearing things. It was pretty terrifying. <laughs> um, oh and uh, we had to take him to the hospital to be admitted into mental health a couple of times because he was just like not able to function and like live like a normal person. Like he was just a total mess, just totally freaking out. So because he wasn't able to work, at the end of his Marine Corps career was pretty bad. Um, he was in and out of the VA. He was in and out of hospitals. It was terrible. And when he got done, he couldn't work. Like it was so bad that he couldn't work, but he also wasn't able to get his disability payments or even unemployment. None of that kicks in for like three to five months minimum. So yeah. So once he got out of the Marine Corps and I like, obviously I was working my business the whole time, but I was only making like my half, like two to three grand a month. Like that's all that I was really able to make. And that wasn't enough to sustain our life that we had. And it doesn't like, we weren't able to save up five months worth of his salary. Like we just didn't plan for any of this. Like we didn't think that any of this was going to happen. Right. 
Um, and so once he got out of the Marine Corps, we actually lost our house. My car got repossessed and we had to move ourselves and our son and our two giant Great Danes into a super old and crappy one bedroom apartment because they didn't require a big deposit and that's all that we could afford. The play, I would say it wasn't super, our unit was crappy. The complex wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, and my husband continued to unfortunately get worse and worse. They put him on all different kinds of medications because they couldn't really figure out exactly what was going on. Um, and it really takes time for mental health, like to get your meds right. And the VA is kind of notorious for over-medicating yeah. as well. So like he would be put on meds that he wasn't supposed to be put on at the same time. And then he'd have bad reactions and then we'd end up in the hospital all over again. Um, and it got so bad that my son and I ended up actually having to leave. So it was recommended to us from my therapist, because obviously I was in therapy. We were going through a lot. Um, <laughs> his doctors as well were like, dude, like you're not safe to be around. Your family probably should go until you are more stable. And we just had, a, oh my and th this just had really impacted our marriage a lot. Like we weren't in a good place because we couldn't, we could barely like function. And the amount of stress that you're under, it was just bad. Um, and so my son and I left and we stayed in California for about a month and a half or maybe two months. And then we actually went to Maine and I stayed with family there for about four or five months, just kind of recovering, honestly, from the amount of trauma that we'd gone through. Uh, I started drinking a lot. I started having my own mental health issues because my husband just kept getting worse. He was just getting worse and worse and worse. And there was nothing that I could do. This person that I loved so much and that I'd built an entire life with, like, I can't explain, like, we had this beautiful home. We had our dogs, this big yard, like went to church on Sundays. Like we had like just this normal life and it had completely fallen apart. Um, right around then, surprisingly though, my business actually started to do okay. I would say I'd been in Maine for a few months and I really started to spend some time on it and started to dig in and help more women with my virtual assistant program stuff. And it really started to kind of blossom. And so financially, I was actually okay. You know, it's amazing what happens when you're mentally stable, <laughs> not under all this stress and trauma, <laughs> what you're able to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got the opportunity at that time to be a mentor for a couple of retreats in Bali, Indonesia, which is the number one, Americans don't usually even know where it is. It's the number one vacation destination of the year. It's down near Australia. So there's tons of Australians here. Um, it's in Asia, but it's very expat friendly. And while Indonesia is Muslim and kind of considered to be a developing nation, Bali itself is like this diamond jewel and it's just stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, they're, they're Hindu here. They're not even Muslim. Um, it's considered to be, it's called the Island of the Gods. So it's known for being this very spiritual and healing place. Also a big place for entrepreneurs and digital nomads because you can live very cheaply here, but you can live like a queen. <laughs> so I got the opportunity to um, work with a company here just for like two or three sessions, being a mentor, teaching about digital marketing, content marketing, how to start your own online business stuff. Um, and so I came out and I did, it was very scary. I didn't bring my son with me initially. He actually spent the summer with his grandparents under safe supervision with his dad. Um, and my husband was starting to slowly get better at this point. They kind of had finally stabilized him. 
he was moved out of the apartment by his family and moved in with them just to kind of get a little bit more stable. So he was starting to get a lot better. Um, my son spent the summer there. I kind of got sorted here in Bali and I loved it so much that my son moved out here and we've been, and now I've been here a total of a year and a half. And my husband, my, and my, my son's been here like over, Oh, his year anniversary is coming up next month. So he's been here about a year too. And that's like, and we're working on our marriage now that my husband's more stable. <laughs> he oh. kind of comes and travels with us for a few months at a time or comes and stays with me in Bali for a few months at a time, but he's still kind of getting his medication sorted in the States and he's dealing with some legal repercussions of what happened when he like kind of fell apart. Um, so he's still dealing with stuff like that. So he kind of has to go a little bit back and forth. So he's not here at this particular moment. Um, but things between us are doing a lot better and coming out here again, the more, you know, healed and calm and peaceful you are, the better your business does. Right. And all of the amazing connections that I was able to meet here. So my virtual career has continued to just really blossom and expand since I've been here too. And so that's the story. That's crazy. I know. (laughs) Just even just like you had the life that everybody dreams about when they're 12 years old and then because of just some random misfortune things went spiraling but I know that that's something that a lot of people deal with like I I don't I'm not saying the whole um head trauma leading to mental illness I'm sure there are people who deal with that but even just the things did not turn out how you wanted them to. Yeah. But I think that there actually is a lot of mental health stuff that does happen in the military and oh, yeah. is a story that oh, like yeah. does get told. <laughs> yeah. And it needs to be told more, but just, I mean, cause there's like two sides to it. I see like life did not end up how you wanted, but it's, it didn't end up how, how you wanted because the person you loved could no longer function yep. and largely due to the service he gave. Yep to his country. Yeah. And it was more frustrating because we couldn't get any charities to help us because he wasn't considered to be injured during combat. And so we didn't qualify for any help. Oh, that's yeah. And that's, to me, that's just such a problem that there are, there are families and service men and women that have damage, negative repercussions from the service that they give and yet in a large, extreme way, they are left to deal with those repercussions by themselves. Yeah. That's, I just think that's a problem that it's very frustrating. Yeah. And like, it's hard too because when you have mental health issues, you're in no condition to be able to advocate for yourself and to be able to work through the BS that the VA is going to put you through when you're trying to get care. So like, him yes. getting care was a job for me. Like I had to basically work to try to get him help and try to get him the appointments he needed and talk to this person talk. Like it was just a total and complete mess. And thank goodness now he's more stable and he can do some of that himself, but it's still a mess. Like he still doesn't have a good therapist, for example. And that's a whole big process to try to get somebody else. And it's just, and it's your life. Like it's your life. Like if he doesn't get the help that he needs, then he is suicidal. So it's not just like, Oh, 22 veterans a day. That's so sad. It's like, well, we're not really helping them guys. <laughs> yeah. And next month is suicide prevention awareness month. Like maybe this is something yeah. 
that we can pay more attention to. Like, how do we, I don't know, like with prevention, it's what, like, why are we waiting until people are at such an extreme point before we help them and we care? Right. And making sure that people know about the resources because there are tons of resources available. It's just a lack of education already within the system and a lack of education outside of the system so that people who are coming in are like, well, wait, what do I do? Ah." It sounds so miserable. I'm thinking about when our first baby, my husband was in the military, but I was still on my parents' insurance. Mm -hmm. And so we just decided to mm-hmm. keep both because I thought that that would mm-hmm. be better. Smart. And that was a really foolish no, decision. Oh, I thought it'd be smart because then you get, yeah, then you wouldn't have to pay anything. That's what I thought. And we didn't, but TRICARE is so good anyways. I really just shouldn't have worried about it. Like we would, would have only ended up paying like 50 bucks or anything, mm-hmm. but it was so many phone calls mm-hmm. and so many like, so much paperwork and stuff, but it was like listening to you. It's like, that wasn't even that Mm. much. And I just get really sad for you for how much you had to deal with just the pain of getting a hold of that industry is just miserable. So I can sincerely say without even complete, like completely knowing what you went through that, that, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And then the system has just kind of failed you guys. But a question that I have is what do you think was the, your kind of saving grace and um, what would you recommend to someone going through a similar situation with this? Um, it's a difficult reintegration like his his life has been shattered his dreams have been shattered but also your life is completely changing yeah so like what was the things that helped me to get through it yes um oh gosh lots of things so one thing that helped was asking for help I I asked It was so humbling. (laughs) I cannot tell you having to ask a friend to pay your water bill so your water doesn't get turned off the next day, having to ask your mom's random friend for work if you can go stay with her because your husband's having a manic breakdown and you don't have a car so you can't leave. And she says, you come on, take an Uber to my house and you can take my car. You can borrow it. Like People are willing to help but you have to ask because they don't know always what to do. And that was something that is very, very humbling and was very difficult when I had to get to that point. And I think I also like learned at the same time, there's like a flip side to it. Like I also learned who my real friends and people were because there was people who showed up and were like, Oh my gosh, here's a grocery card. What else can I do for you? And then there was other people who were, it made them uncomfortable And they kind of just didn't care enough. And so they kind of just don't even, like, didn't even really, people I had thought were very good friends that had been long-term friends. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask about me. They they knew what I was going through and they just didn't do anything. (laughs) And so that Mm -hmm. was a big eye-opener to me as well of like, oh, okay, I know who my people are and keep your 
know who your good people are and keep them close to you and ask them for help when you need it. And at the flip side, show up when other people need it because it's going to come back to you, right? So you're going to go through something and you're going to need it. So show up when somebody needs it, even if it makes you uncomfortable, like, oh, there's whatever died and it makes me feel weird and I don't know how to be around them. Who cares? doesn't matter. They just need you literally just to sit next to them. So that was something that I think made me a very empathetic person. Um, I think that another thing that got me through it was spirituality. I'm, uh, I was raised Christian, but I'm pretty liberal. I mean, I live in Bali, so I'm like very open to lots of things, but my foundations are feel very connected to God. And I grew up, um, just journaling and praying every day. Now, how that really manifests itself during tragedy is, um, that was literally what got me through it because there were days that I didn't want to get out of bed. I was so depressed and my life had fallen apart and I'm sitting in this like pay by the week studio in Maine, (laughs) my entire life had fallen apart. And, um, just, and I was very sick. I ended up getting like an actual physical illness. I got, um, what's the thing where you're cough, where you like have a cold for like six weeks, but bronchitis, I got bronchitis really bad, no health insurance. So I had to go to the public clinic. It was awful. You guys, I can't even tell you. Um, I'm laying in my bed crying and I thought I was going to die because I was in so much pain and so uncomfortable. And I remember just praying and praying and praying. And every day I prayed and every day I journaled and every day I asked God for help. And every day he would show me the things that I could be grateful for that day and gave me hope that this was not the end. There is a light at the end of this tunnel. There's many lights to come. It's going to be all right. Stick with me and we're going to get through today. We're going to get through the next minute. We're going to get through the next hour. And that was something that really helped me to get through it was just being connected to something bigger than just yourself in that moment, panicking because your whole life's falling apart. Yeah, that's beautiful. So we're running out of time, which is a really big bummer because I feel like we can talk <laughs> for a lot longer. But I want to, um, I do want to talk with the listeners about your VA agency, because I know what it's like to be wanting to contribute financially, but that's really difficult. Um, particularly for waiting warriors, because if your husband's a first responder, then he's gone all the time and at like weird hours. And if he's military, then you're moving, he's gone. Like, it's hard to keep a job when you're moving every two years, you know, like just a little bit different. So could you tell people about that? If that is something that they would be interested in? Yeah. So that was the whole reason why I started it was because I was in the exact position, right? Like my husband's get, my husband got deployed for almost nine months and we had a 30 day notice. Like can, can, like it was awful. And that's like normal. Like that's how I, all the other times he would be gone for one to three months and I would have maybe a week's notice. So it's not like, like this was our reality. And then, like I said, otherwise he worked nights. So I was just alone all the time. So if he's, if my son's sick, I have to be home. If he has a school holiday, what do I do? Like it was horrible. It was so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to create something that was just my own. I wanted a career that, or just anything that wasn't about my husband's career, that wasn't about the Marine Corps, that wasn't about my son, that wasn't about cleaning my house and running errands. Like I have my own aspirations and passions and things that I'm into. And they're just as, you mean you don't want to have your career all day long? They're just as worthy. (laughs) 
exactly. That's what I feel like. I feel like I was like, that was the answer was like, well, just be a stay at home mom and just be content with that. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I ain't. (laughs) So, um, I started being a virtual assistant and I just think it's the most amazing opportunity. I couldn't believe that the, that the other military wives on base didn't know about it. And I was asked for so many referrals all the time by people. Like I literally had so much work that I had to expand very quickly because if you do a good job, then you're in high demand because there's a lot of people who suck. Right. So, um, none of the military wives knew about it. So yeah. So basically being a virtual assistant is the same, just like being, an office assistant or an executive assistant, um, or you, you can kind of, sometimes you do stuff with digital marketing or content marketing, like writing a blog or something. And so I put together a program that literally teaches you from day one in 90 days, you learn everything you need to know to start making money as a virtual assistant, making a minimum of $20 per hour paid virtually. You work on your own time, whatever you want. Um, you can work at night, you can work during whenever, um, and in 90 days, you go from zero to 100 to be able to, to do it. And I also teach you how to find work. And then I offer internship and experience because that was the other thing I kept hearing is like, I know how to do that stuff. I took a class on it, but I don't have any experience, so nobody will hire me. So we offer internship experiences. We offer, um, we teach them how to find work. We try to match them with clients. I have a whole network of business owners that we kind of feed the VAs into to try to get them work as soon as possible. And we have over a hundred women who've gone through the program now. And it's something that anybody can do. Literally, if you have a computer, you can do this. It's not like, it's not super technical. It's not difficult. Um, and I have a free class that talks more all about it. You just go to bit.ly slash capital V-A-I and then class. So it's just bit.ly slash V-A-I class. Got it. And we'll get that link in the show cool. notes. Yeah. And it's a free class. I talk all about everything that you need to be a virtual assistant. And then I do have a training program and I talk about that at the end as well. Um, if that was something that was interesting to you and I even offer a military discount. So it's really for everybody. Hey, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, if you guys are interested in that, reach out to Esther, take that or watch that class, <laughs> take that class, whatever whichever one it is, um, and see if that is for you, because that is something that I know a lot of wives, girlfriends kind of struggle with is finding that balance of loving your loved one and wanting to support them, but also wanting to have something of your own. I know that's a a lot of times we get sucked sucked into selling candles or selling wraps or making commission only. And that I just, that is not the only option to work online. You can make money doing, you can make great money. Like the girls in my program, they're doing insanely well within a year. They start charging between like 30 and 60 an hour. It's nuts. And so it was a no brainer to me. I was like, why are we busy selling candles? This is stupid. (laughs) You can make good money doing all kinds of stuff. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I want to end with the final question that I ask everybody. What is your key to thriving that you want to share with fellow waiting warriors? Yeah. Um, I guess that the biggest thing that I would say has helped me besides some of the stuff I already talked about was really sorting out what success means to you and what success looks like to you. Because first of all, it's going to change based on the different phases. Because I first thought that success was me living in suburbia in my big house with my two dogs. And you know what I mean? Like I thought that was it, but now it's changed. Now I live in Bali in a villa with a pool and 
I ride my little scooter with my son around. I have staff that take care of all of the cleaning and all the errands. Like that's what it was for me, but I don't live in a big fancy villa. It's like small and cute and easy. So it really like everyone needs to figure it out for themselves and stop comparing yourself to everybody else. There is no rules to this. Living in Bali and living like I do isn't for everybody. Some people want to live in an RV. Some people want to just, they do want to live in suburbia and they like that. Like, but you have to determine, is this what I really want? Or is this what my parents taught me? Or is this what the media says is what I should be doing? Or is this what my husband wants? Or like, really, what does it mean for you and your family to feel like, oh, okay, this is, this feels good for us. Just design a virtual career, design um, any kind of career, design a life that you love and that you're proud of and that gets you excited to wake up for every day and isn't just trying to chase after what you see on TV or what was taught to you or what your kids are wanting this new cell phone because all the other kids have it. Like really define what it is for you and you will end up being having so much more joy in your life because you can feel like you made it and you're, I'm only 32 and I feel like I already retired. Like I'm like, I did it. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Um, so you like the, I'm not special. You could, you heard my story. I'm a freaking mess. Um, so if I was able to, to do all of that, it was only because I really started to shape what success meant for me and my son, a separate from my husband when it needed to be separate from him and really be like, okay, what are we going to do? And what's going to feel good for us? And I didn't listen to everybody who told me I was nuts. Never listen to the naysayers when you know you're going after yeah, what you want. Yeah, I think some people mean well, but they just have no, and see some of the questions they had, like how you going to educate your son or what about this? Like those are fair questions to ask that I had to think through. But otherwise, this isn't their dream. Their brain can't even fathom what you're doing. So they're, of course, going to be like, no, 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 danger. Well, Robinson, don't go there. Uh, so, but you have to do it. And then you can be like, look, see, my life's awesome. And oh, okay. You know, it gets, I try not to blame people for being negative or naysayers. Like, you know, they, they have their own frame of what's normal and what they want to do. So, you know, you do you. <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Esther. If people want to reach out to you other than um, checking out that class, how can people um, Yeah, we have you? an amazing, amazing Facebook group. And we post virtual jobs, legit virtual jobs every single day. We email them out every week. Um, that would be a great place to connect with me. You just go to facebook.com slash group. I don't know why, but for some reason, the audio for Esther went completely blank here. But if you'd like to connect with Esther, the best way is through her free class. And I'll link that in the show notes. Or you can check out her Instagram, Virtual Assistant Internship. And there's a link there. Or go check out her website, www.virtualassistantinternship.com. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, And... For all the listeners out there, I will talk to you next week. Thanks again, Esther. Hi, guys. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I know I've been learning so much, so please share with any friends and family you know, whether you know someone who is a waiting warrior or if you just think one episode can shed some light to friends and family about what you're going through. Share. And always remember, we're stronger together and here we can thrive. Until next time, have an awesome day.